who's in deficiencies, who's in defeat, who's in these problems that are overwhelming their life. How do we bring them into a place of freedom? And how do we incorporate the word of God in such a way where it's activated and it's real in their life? Okay, that's what we do. And so everything I teach, and Carrie, Pastor Carrie knows what he's getting himself into, let me up here. Uh, everything we teach, we are teaching from that perspective. And so I'm going to have a unique perspective just by nature. Like I said, I'm not, I don't consider myself a Bible teacher, although I teach the Bible, so I guess I am. But I, I consider myself more of a counselor, someone who's ministering to the heart of people to bring them into freedom. And the crazy Israelites are, are one of the best, best, best pictures of this. And we teach their story all the time. And so I'm going to backtrack this week. We've been talking about the crossing. I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about their wilderness experience. Um, but before I do that, I want to give you a little bit of, a, of, a, of an opening um, thought here. Um, I have a couple packets here of seeds. Are there any green thumbs in the house? I kill everything. That's why these are still in the package. You can, I, seriously, you can ask my husband. He will vouch for you. I kill things. I don't grow things. So, um, But seeds are amazing to me. And this is, again, one of the principles that we use to really help people that are in bondage understand something so potent and so powerful. I love nature because the laws of nature are really the laws of our heart. I know that's deep, but bear with me for a minute. A seed, you can't see it, obviously. I can, I can uh, if you really need to see a seed, I can you know, give you a seed here. But a seed is tiny. It's a tiny, tiny, I mean, you can't see this in my hand. I know you can't. But it's this tiny little hard thing. But inside it is the miracle of what it's created to be. And seeds house the embryonic form of their eventual destiny, and this happens to be a radish. This seed has the destiny of becoming a radish. And see, seeds in and of themselves hold their full potential. It's not the seed that lacks. This little packet of radishes, they have the full potential of being a huge old harvest of radishes. But they need the atmosphere. They need the environment where they're placed in order for them to birth into their design. And this principle is the law of life. It is our principle. It is the principle that says that God, when you came to Jesus through a relationship, you were given a seed of destiny by your creator. And in that seed, you have everything you already need to be the person he created you to be because he designed you before time and eternity. That is not foo-foo stuff. That is for real stuff. That is how God made us. That is how he birthed us. He birthed us physically through a seed and spiritually he birthed us through a seed. Okay? And so this seed that we have in our life, we carry it within us. But the seed needs atmosphere in order to grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? It needs an atmosphere. It just as a physical seed needs an atmosphere, our spiritual seed needs an atmosphere. The problem is we get this atmosphere wrong. We think the atmosphere is maybe a theological perception of who God is. or it's um, If we're really, 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 really good, then God will give us everything we ever wanted and everything we needed. And we're sometimes on this, you know, this, we're running in place and we're getting nowhere and we're like, why is this not happening? And see, the Israelites were the same way. They had already been birthed as the seed of their destiny. They were already children of God. They were already declared beforehand to be God's precious selected own. And they were already given a promised land. They already had this destiny ordained by God. 
But here they were, they were enslaved. They were in chains, they were in bondage. And they were in that situation going, what happened? How did I get here? But you know what's really crazy about this, and this is what I'm gonna talk to you about, is over time, you know what? They got comfortable over there. They got comfortable in their chains. And the whole idea of the Israelites in Egypt was really about their identity being stripped, their hands being tied, being forced to be whoever the laborers in their life ordained they, they should be. And eventually, over time, it was about them losing out on who they were as their God declared them to be. Do you see that? And so they were stuck, just like a seed. They were stuck. And then God did something. He brought in someone to pull them out of the muck and the mess that they were in. And you know what? All of us, at some point in our life, will be in a situation of bondage. We'll be in a situation of fear. We'll be in a situation of complacency. We'll be in our own form of Egypt at somewhere along the line, I promise you. And most of us see those seasons when we're chained up or locked up or, or blocked up or whatever the case might be, sometimes to be, that's it, this is it, this is my destiny, and that's where they were, okay? And when God came and intervened in their life, they needed a miracle. And a miracle is what they ended up getting. And let's talk about that for a minute. Because when... God called them out of Egypt and into the desert. You don't want to know something? They were excited for a moment. The miraculous brought them over for a moment. But you know what? The Bible says this is just absolutely incredible. Okay, grip your seat for this. Exodus 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they face war... They might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God let the people, led the people around by the desert towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And here we got another one. Exodus 14, 10 through 14 says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. So first they get out and they're like freaking out. Okay, they get rescued and they're like, freaking out about that. And so God knows that ahead of time. He's like, I'm taking you a different way so that you won't return back. Then here we come up to the Red Sea. Are you ready for this? And so the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? They're saying this to God. Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Listen to this, you guys. Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Egyptians left, or I mean, the Israelites left Egypt with the miraculous. And do you want to know why they had to leave with the miraculous? Because the very essence of the human heart is that the safety of bondage requires the power 
of God's miracle. The safety of bondage requires the power of God's miracle. Okay, that seed, that seed that needs to break, it needs to take a chance, it needs to break into the ground. I'm telling you, you guys, when we get into places in our life where we're, we're overcoming, we're overcoming, we're overcoming, that seed is just like the seed. We're just, we're surviving, we're surviving, we're getting by, we're getting by, we're getting by, we're getting by. Do you want to know something over time? That seed version of your life will become your comfort zone. You will get to a point when you don't want more because you fear more and you fear the unknowns that lie ahead, and that's how they were. They, they needed the miraculous, not because God needed to wow them. They needed the miraculous so they wouldn't return back to bondage because in their mindset at that point, bondage was better than, than the unknown. I'm telling you, honestly, working with people in severe bondage, working with people with serious problems like addiction and, and all kinds of other emotional issues of the heart, I can tell you, my husband can tell you time and time again that people want to go back. They want to return to the comfort. When things don't go right, when things don't go good, when things don't go smooth, they want to go back to their bondage. They want to stay in that shell. It's easier to be in that shell. And that is just the nature of the human heart. And so why didn't God take them from Egypt over to the promised land immediately. And that's really what this message is going to be about. And it's not just about the Israelites, it's about us. It's about God taking a people that had lost their fundamental purpose, they'd lost their identity, and what he used to re-emerge them and rebirth them back into that God-ordained destiny. Okay? Um, you know what? We really need to understand something, that there are things in our heart that we don't even know is there. And see, the, one of the, the most important things that the desert season does is it reveals our heart. It's like a tea bag. Okay? When you put a tea bag into hot water, the fragrance and the flavor of that tea resurrects. It's like the seed. You drop the seed into the soil, it comes out. Sometimes what's revealed in a season, in a desert season, in a season of uncertainty, in a season of the unknown, sometimes what happens in that season is thing comes, things come up that we didn't know were there. Did you ever go through a trial and you find yourself freaking out in ways you didn't think you'd freak out? Well, this, the, the desert's primary purpose, God's primary purpose for the Israelites is that they needed to know what was in their heart. Oh, God, we love you. Oh, praise you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you're wonderful. They drop into the desert, and guess what? They were cursing the God that they served. What have you done to us? How could you leave us? In, in three days, they're complaining. In a month, they're like, we're going back, and they're idolizing bondage. Let's go back and eat that wonderful meat we had in Egypt. Oh, I forgot about the fact that we had chains on us and that we were enslaved and that we couldn't do anything for making any of our decisions. It was still wonderful. It was better than this. That is the human nature. Do you see that? And so what God does is he allows these seasons to reveal our heart. And let me tell you what, your inner truth is what God's after. And I'm not talking about just the truth of, you could probably give me the truth of God's word. You could say, well, God's this and God's that. And da, 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 da. If you're at all like theological at all, you could quote it back to me. But you know what? That's not your inner truth. 
Your inner truth is what you really think and what you really, what's going on behind the scenes. Your inner truth is the belief systems you've acquired early in life that, that caused you to filter everything through the perspective of your family, of your parenting, of whatever else situations and circumstances you've been through that drive your belief systems. And see, your inner truth may be right and it may be incredibly faulty. And God uses a desert season to bring that out. And when people come to us in a healing process, they are desperately in need of having their heart revealed. Our job is not to say, oh, you're, oh, oh. our job is to use processes of the heart that would reveal and expose what's going on in their internal world. Let me tell you what, some people can handle it and some people can't. Some people push ahead and some people want to go back. Some people see things that are uncomfortable, that they don't like. It's much easier, especially if, if you're on the good side of a relationship. I'm not going to get into that, but there's you know, the bad addict, and then there's the good family member on the other side. And when you're, you're the good family member, which is the people that I work with, you don't want to be seeing something in your own heart. You know, it's like, them, 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 them. You, know, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, that's it. Okay. So God is asking us to see what's in us. And let me give you some, some, um, some, some, just some ideas of what that might be. Self-sufficiency, hiding, and protection. Did you know that self-sufficiency is living as a seed? Did you know that? It's living with our own natural resources instead of the resources of God. Hiding and protection is also living as a seed. Addiction or other false comforts. Discomfort, restlessness, believing lies is truth, anger, resentment, bitterness, a lack of belief in our God. These are all issues of the heart. These are all areas that God is seeking to use the desert season, the in-between seasons where God says, okay, we're leaving the place you were and we're moving. This is just like our church. We're moving into a new place, but there's this in-between season. And I know you want to go there tomorrow, but you know what? I have much more important things to do in that in-between season. I want to pull you from the bad stuff, and I want to take you to the good stuff, but I care more what's in your heart right now. Do you want to know what the Israelites were in bondage to? It wasn't personal chains of the Egyptians. They were in bondage to their own mindsets. That was the real internal battle in their life, was their own thought processes, their own belief systems, their own mindsets. And above anything else, that's what their God was after. Desert seasons help us learn true surrender. That's the second point I want to give to you. And I skipped over it in my interest. I'm going to go back. John 12, 24 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Hating your life does not mean self-hatred. That's one of the lies of the enemy. Hating your life means you choose to give up your right to see the end result. You stop trying to control and self-protect your destiny. And you are laying it down and you are saying, here you go, God. See, the seed is very much like the situation with the Israelites because the seed, once it breaks and, lands and ends up in the soil... It's stuck there forever because it can no longer go back and be self-sufficient again. Do you see that? 
once it's forced out of its shell, it will either plant and grow or it will die. And the Israelites were stuck too. They were like, once they left Egypt, they had to depend on their God. They had to. And it was really a matter of life and death. Either he was going to provide for them or they were going to go down. And can I just tell you, if there's anyone here, past, present, or future, that's ever in a situation that's so, so impossible that if your God doesn't show up, you're going to go down. Let me tell you what, you are in a really sweet spot with God. Because that is the very atmosphere of surrender. Because you're kind of forced into it. And you know what? Some of them didn't surrender, and we see how that went. It didn't go so well, did it? The real nature of our desert seasons, if you want to know what God is actually after, he's after a true surrender. And none of this nonsense of like, oh, I surrender, oh, and then two minutes later, we're like, ah! He's after a real surrender. God, it's your life. It's not my life. I'm going to trust you. I believe that whatever my seed looks like, that when you plant that, when you get your way, it's going to be something good. And I don't like this. I don't like the desert. I don't like the unknown. I don't like the fear of the unknown. But you know what? I am going to trust that you're doing a good thing right now in my life, even though it feels dry and desolate. Is anyone in a dry and desolate season? The Spirit of God would like to say to you, you know what? You've got to hang in there. But before anything else, surrender. Surrender is the pathway to being able to break and being able to come into the fruition of God's intention in, your, in this season and in seasons to come. We call it brokenness and program. Brokenness. Brokenness is the gift. Brokenness is the gift. Brokenness is I give up the rights to myself. That's what God's after. And you know what? He is such a loving God. The God that we serve is so good. And when we go through these seasons and we feel like we're getting whacked and we feel like we're getting backstabbed and we feel like we're being denied and we feel like we're being hurt, you know what? These are the seasons where God ordains healing in our lives. Some of y'all might be like, I don't need healing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'll tell you what. We all need healing. Do the drug addicts need healing? Well, yeah, of course. But you know what? They're the easiest people in the world to reach. Way easier. No disrespect. Way easier than most of the people that are sitting in a church. Do you want to know why? Because they are at the end of themselves. They are broken. They are desperate. And you know what? Either they get it right or they're going to die. And in the church, we can just get comfortable in our seat. and We can just sit and kind of, you know, self-preserve and everything's good. By the way, I'm very out of my comfort zone up here. I just wanted you to know that. I'm used to, like, teaching to people that are like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we're all screwed up. Okay, yeah, let's come on, Jesus. So when I'm singing this audience, I'm like, am I going to offend them, Lord? So you just, you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> Listen, God did not send the Israelites to the desert to punish them or to torment them. He sent them to the desert to heal them. He sent them to heal, heal their internal mindsets. He sent them to heal their perspectives that were fundamentally flawed. And when God touches our lives, when he brings us into these difficult seasons, he is getting ready to do the miraculous in us. But we don't see that. 
We can see a mean God standing in our midst. We can see, feel his heat and think he's angry at me. I did something wrong. What do I need to do right? I need to try harder. I need to work more. I give up. I'm not even going to try anymore. But the God of the universe is saying, you know what? I want you to come out. And I want to heal your resentment. I want to heal your bitterness. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. Maybe you never dealt with things in the past. And you know, everyone's like, just leave the past in the past. Church people, sorry. Church people say that all the time. It's kind of one of our jokes we have in program. It's like, and I'm a church person, by the way. I'm a PK. I told you guys that, right? Last time, I'm a pastor's kid. So believe me, I've, you know, I've been church my whole life. But they just think that I totally lost my train of thought. After I got onto the church people thing, I was like, I got so caught up in that. So if it comes back, I'll tell you. Oh, my. Um, healing. That we need to heal. And there's a whole component to that. I mean, we have a whole thing about the healing system, the healing process, how we heal, the lies we believe in truth, being backstabbed, being hurt by people. Oh, there was the past. It was the past. Okay. Yes, you need to look at the past. Yes, you do. Because you know what the past is? I'm not going to put it. The past is a bunch of seeds that were planted in your life. And some of those seeds might have been good, but some of those seeds were lies. And they were lies and they grew up and they planted and they became the way you saw and did life. And if you don't see where those seeds were planted, if you don't understand where they were actually rooted, you're like, well, it's the past, it's the past, it's the past. But the past is the present. And the past is the future until those get uprooted. And that's what I'm talking about with healing. That's what our God does. He heals wounds and he takes away lies. And he is powerful and he is mighty and he will do anything. He will move heaven and earth to get his children set free in their hearts. And you know what? I went through a desert season for the last four years. I arrived in this church in a desert season. And let me tell you what, it was, I, I'm not going to go into details, but it was a trial like no other trial that I've had. And in the midst of that, you think, God, what are you doing? And you know what? He just revealed more and more stuff that I need to work on, more things I needed to heal. I am at that point in that journey where I am praising him for that desert. Thank you, God. You did for me what I could not do for myself. We think, we have this mindset that we think the only measurement of God's love is success. It's so not true. Sometimes the deepest way that God compels us and loves us is by bringing us through seasons of lack, seasons of hurt, seasons of neglect. Does God ordain that? He doesn't ordain it because that's sin and attacks, and sometimes it is. But you know what? There's One of my favorite speakers has a book called The Necessity of an Enemy. God will use the very things that the enemy used to take us out. He will steal those. God will steal those from the enemy. He'll say, ha, ha. I'm going to use what you meant for evil, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to use it for good. And that is the kind of God we have when we come into agreement with him. When we come into an agreement, when we decide, I'm not going to fight him. The Israelites had to go through all kinds of stuff, did they not? And they fought their God, and they fought him, and they fought him. I mean, I was just reading this, and if you haven't recently read the story of the Israelites fleeing Egypt and arriving in the Promised Land, it is sometimes hysterically funny and the, the, you know what the really funny thing is though it's like so us but we like are like oh they're so dumb 
how could they not know any better? And it's like, hello. You know, the spiritual side in our in New Testament, I believe it's New Testament Christians. Those Old Testaments are just physical stories that explain our New Testament Christian spiritual conditions. Okay, that's just the way I see it. Um, hopefully, Carrie would back me on that. But if not, um, what, what we need healed. We need healing from wounds that created resentment and bitterness that caused us to mistrust people and leadership. Part of their problem is they didn't trust leadership. They didn't trust the ordering of God. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't apply to anyone in here. We can probably just go over that real quick. One of the things that I work with in my ministry, which is codependency, I'm actually afraid to use that word in front of you guys. I don't know why. Because people are like, oh, what's that? Codependency, the very essence of it is that, that people are trying to fill in the gaps because the people in their life have failed them. And so they're trying to kind of measure that out. They're trying to balance out a relationship where someone's not doing their part. And so over time, what they learn to do is kind of to be, to be a false leader, I guess, in the sense you could say is, is someone's not doing their leadership role, so they're going to come in and take their place. But that leads to a lot of problems. Learning leadership is really important in our lives, even when you don't trust your leader. If you don't trust your leader, there's probably an issue in your past or in your life. And I'm not saying that, you know, Moses looked a little bit wacky, did he not? I mean, he was hard to trust in the beginning, right? And when you, when you have a leader that's taking you on a journey that you've never been, you're like, do they know what he's doing? <laughs> what are we doing? I know it's kind of just maybe a little bit going through something like that, maybe just a little bit. But, you know, God ordains leaders, and he ordained Moses, and part of their bondage was learning to trust that Moses was ordained by God. Okay, not just God himself, but that Moses was ordained by God. Um, we, we need healing. Listen to this, you guys. We need healing from self-rejection and believing that we are not worthy of God's best. Does that sound like pop psychology? Maybe it will, but I truly believe with all my heart and soul that the worst thing we can ever commit spiritually in our life is the crime of self-rejection, the spiritual crime of self-rejection, where we take this precious seed of who we are, and we stop it in the ground, and we, we don't put it in good ground. We put it in bad ground, and we're, we're like, you know what? No, nope. I'm going to recreate myself into something else. I'm going to be who I think you want me to be. It's my precious husband. I mean, he, he would get it close. <laughs> but it's never good to put a person in God's place, trust me. And we lose out on the full potential of who we are. Let me tell you something, if no one's ever told you this before, especially the young people, who you are is a good idea. Who you are is God's idea. There is never a problem with our idea. There's only a problem with our atmosphere. And that's what God is trying to set in our life, is he's trying to make healthy internal soil where we can grow and become. Do you see that? And he uses these desert seasons way more, way more than he uses seasons of prosperity to prepare us for blessings. In fact, I believe that it's a segue for blessing. You have to go through pain. You have to go through the trials in order to get to the blessing. I'm getting there. Am I speaking long? Okay. I've been known. That really leads to my next point, is that the desert seasons prepare us to receive our true identity. 
pain has a humbling effect like nothing else can. But God is not trying to demolish who we are. He's trying to find the right atmosphere where that's going to be birthed and emerged. When all the gunk is, starts to get removed, when we start to gain perspective, when we start to see, always first look in your life for what you can change, what God says, I need you to change. I know there might be circumstances. I know there might be people. I know there might be financial strains. But the first thing we look is what in my heart, God? What's in my heart that could change right now? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to expose to me? Because he needs to pull that back. And underneath that, he declares our identity. And the humility of these desert seasons is they strip us from whatever coverings we wear, things, materialism, materialism, our roles that we play in life, our, our power, our prestige, these frivolous things that really don't matter and actually hinder us in the kingdom. God wants to dissolve that. And he uses humbling like nothing else. And man, I just come off one of those seasons and it is, it is hard. It is so hard. But do you want to be the full potential of yourself? Or do you want to be a counterfeit? You know what? I, I This is kind of jolting, but you know, I got, a lot, I got me a lot of artificial plants in my home. You want to know why? Because I kill plants. So pretty much my whole house is filled with artificial plants because otherwise they'll be brown and they'll be dead. Right, honey? So um, we can create an artificial version of ourselves externally that is false and counterfeit. And I'm not trying to offend anyone. But that counterfeit version of ourself, God is not interested in. He is not impressed. He will not receive it. He will do anything he can to break through to get the real you. The real you is what God's after. Why? It's because you're his seed. You're his idea. Did I say that a couple times already? You're his idea. Your full potential is what's going to prosper you in the kingdom of heaven. It's what's going to lead to abundant fruit in the kingdom of heaven because it's not just about you. It's also about how he's going to use you to affect the culture around you, right? When we get into these seasons, we can demean ourselves. We can berate ourselves. We can feel self-pity for a season. And God's like, yeah, you know what? I know you're hurt. But he's inviting us to die to ourselves. And dying is not leaving our God-given identity. It's dying from, from our striving, from our, our personal desire to try to make life work in our own strength. That's what he's going for. Listen to this. You have a real enemy, a real enemy. He's not pretend. He's not Mickey Mouse. He's not a cartoon. You have a real enemy. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. But what he'd like to do is he'd like to logically point to the desert season in your life as a witness of your unworthiness of God's goodness. See? Look at what's going on. See? As a church, see? Shouldn't we have more going on to, to verify something good that God's doing? And let me tell you what, it's the opposite. There will be a fight over your identity. This is as a church and as individuals, a fight for your identity and potential like nothing else. It is the war of all wars. It's the fight for that precious seed of your design, of this church's design. Identity. 
is when we become seated in the reality of who we are in Jesus, that we are beheld by our creator, that we are loved, that we are ordained as his own before time in eternity, that we have been labeled as a friend of God, that we are called out to be one of the redeemed, that we are seated in the right hand of Jesus in the heavenlies, that he has gone before us to prepare a place for us in heaven. Do we get that? That the God of the universe loved us and purposed us for an eternal value that this world could never compare to. Do we get that? Treasured, desired by God. Birthright to a kingdom. We have birthrights to a kingdom. The desert seasons reveal God's vision for our future. That's my next point. Almost done here. We got to come to the good part. See, the desert had this bad place. And it looked like the end at times. And it was a terribly desolate, painful place. But then as they're getting to the Jordan, which I'm, I'm going to let Pastor Kerry keep teaching his message, crossing the Jordan. They were starting to see that vision clearer, weren't they? It didn't seem so impossible anymore. And see, as we go through our desert seasons... At some point, our vision will get clearer. At some point, we'll begin to say, you know what? I know where he's taking me now, and I never knew it before. And your desert season will sometimes birth you into ministry. It will sometimes birth you into a career. It will birth you into new relationships, healthier relationships. And you know what? There will come a point when you'll say, you know what? I see the vision. I see it. And I believe that vision is one of God's greatest gifts in our lives because it's an anchor of hope. It's the sustaining force that says there's more than the here and now. There's more than right now. I can see it. God is preparing something better than the now. And I don't like the now. I want to get there as soon as I can. But right now, I'm ready to trust in God. And you know those visions? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. You can get them. You get them on the mountain, and then you get dropped down into the desert to the point you think that vision never even was from God in the first place. Has anyone ever been there before? I sure have, more than once. That's why I'm very like um, sensitive to what's going on in this church because I, I see that pattern. It's like you get the vision and then there's disappointments and hardships along the way, but it's just part of the process. It really is because faith is the substance of things not seen. So if we had faith in what was already there, we don't really have faith, Okay. The last one is, is what we're all looking for, is that the desert seasons prepare us for blessings. You know we have to be prepared for a blessing. I think Pastor Kerry taught a message on that not that long ago, called the same thing. God doesn't want the desert to destroy us, but to resurrect our lives. We say in program, what looks like the end is really the beginning. The cross looked like the end, did it not? But the cross marked the birthing of a momentous movement of God, right? It's so different than what we think it is, you guys. The kingdom is so upside down. It's so backwards. When we break, when we leave our shell of self-protection, when we enter into an agreement to let God have his way in our lives, 
we will actually begin to feel the satisfaction of his power working on your behalf. Do you want to know? I study because I'm writing materials that have to do with seeds, and so I study them. And I'm not a scientist, but I, under God's, like, under the knowledge that he's the creator of things, I get more interested in it. So one of the mysteries of a seed is that no scientific process can actually explain what causes the energy of the seed to burst. Like, what is that actual energy? Like, how does it go from I'm a seed to I just broke and now I'm going to be planted? Because there's a miraculous factor in that. It's a life factor. It's a birthing factor. Okay, it's just like a baby, right? A baby being conceived. It's like there's a miraculous factor that science really can't pinpoint. I mean, they want to put all their processes and explain it away, but science can't really pinpoint that birthing of a new seed. So when we go through this, we find that our strength dies, but God's strength prospers. We can't, but he can. That grace becomes effective and that we get new power structures in our life because here's what the blessings are. The blessings, as I mentioned numerous times already, the blessing is identity. One of the greatest blessings in your life will not be things and stuff and places and all that other stuff. It will be the blessing of identity, knowing whom you are and to whom you belong. That is the blessing. It's not a place of physical destination. It's an internal place in your heart. It's the blessing of power. When I taught here the last time, I said God's not looking for good people. He's looking for powerful people. Do you believe that? Morality is deceitful when it's used as a measuring stick. I do not trust in human morality. I trust in people that have encountered the power of a living God that has been saturated in their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Before we even go there, why would in the universe would we be afraid of the Holy Spirit? This is the life of God in us. This is the Christian life. The Christian life is a powered life. It's an empowered life. It's a spiritual life living off God's resources instead of our own. And thank you, Jesus, that when you went up to heaven, you told us you would not leave us, that you'd send the comforter, you'd send the Holy Spirit to abide in us and to live in us and to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so God's stirring us up to be powerful people. No, we don't have to roll on the floor, bark like dogs or any of that other weird stuff. You know, hopefully I don't have red in my eyes and looking all weird when I talk about the Holy Spirit. I just say things bluntly because I, you know, that's how human beings think. Some, some churches are like, cool, Holy Spirit. Some churches are like, oh, it's just one of those Holy Spirit people. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Okay, enough said. The blessings of purpose, knowing what you were made for. Do you have a dream stirring in you? Do you ever feel like in the dark stillness of the night that you were made for something more? I believe sometimes that's the cry of the heart of God saying, I do have more for you. I have a more, more of a purpose for you. It's the blessing of love and acceptance, honestly. And, and youth, you know this. You know this, Joe. You have such a heartbeat for this. That the broken culture we live in and what these kids are facing and what these youth are facing, what these young and all of us are facing is a desperate need to feel the love and acceptance of a gracious God. To know that God is for you, he's not against you, that he's with you, 
in those desert seasons, and he's purposed in them, and he has a reason for them. So if you could just please bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you to, um, you can start coming up here, Joe, and I just want you to just take a moment here, and I don't know if this is the right atmosphere or not. Like I said, working in the healing arena, you know, we get these cozy little groups, and we do these projects, and it works. I don't know if it is here or not, but if you can bear with me, I would just like you to close your eyes and meditate on a few things right now. First thing I'd like to ask you is what's your potential? What's your seed? What is your seed? What is your seed? What is your season right now? Are you sitting in a desert? What is your season? What is your vision? Is God humbling your heart right now? Is he dealing with something? Is he calling you to heal right now? Is he calling you to remove idols from your heart that have been destructive? Is he calling you to trust him? Is he exposing false comforts? Are you dealing with addictions? Are you dealing with challenging relationships? Re rejection is, I think, the biggest hurt of the human heart. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we just come to you individually and as a people that want purpose. God, we don't want to just be wandering in a desert for no reason. We want to know that you're leading and you're guiding us through it. Father, we need to know the things that we can't see with our eyes, the things that only the Spirit of God can reveal in these seasons that bring hardness and harshness and, and cruelness sometimes, God. We need to know you're there. Father, minister to people right now that are in that in-between station, in, in between season. God, help and protect the precious seed, the precious seed of who you made each of us to be. Father, we just speak out in the name of Jesus that seed and that person that's struggling to find their identity right now that doesn't know who they are, that doesn't know who they were created to be. Father, I pray that you would minister to them, that you would give them hope. God, we ask that you would bring us together and unify us as a church that's also moving through a desert season, ready to take and to seize the promised land. God, give us hope and anchor us in the storms and birth life and blessings, but have them be a pure blessing a blessing that's been touched by the power of your love and your grace. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. It's time the ushers are going to come forward and uh, take the tithes and offerings. And I think there's something so powerful about a desert season, and I know... Some of us, the desert season has been going on since the day we were born, it feels like. But that there's that potential in the identity of who God has called us to be. The idea of someone better has always been something that's just intrigued me as well. As we close out today worshiping, we're going to sing this out again. That prayer to have that moment to start over with God and be free from what we've created ourselves as a personal bondage and 
our personal chains. And we can ask him to wash us white as snow. And he would create a, a clean heart. And Lord bless you guys as you give.
thank you for this, this time, for the desert seasons and for the rainy seasons, for the seasons of joy and growth and the seasons we feel that there's nothing. There's an idea, God, that you have that is greater than what we know. And we thank you for that. Thank you for this message today, God. May the peace of you, God, that surpasses all understanding, guide us through our week. We ask this in your blessed and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. If you guys-